Wow, it's great to be in the house of the Lord worshiping together. It's nothing like worshiping in song and praise and glory to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm Pastor Steve, in case you didn't know me, and I want to welcome you today. I want to welcome all of you who are watching online, wherever you're watching from today. Those of you joining us in our TC campus, welcome. And of course, my Fram fam, uh, missing, missing you today. In fact, I've missed you the last few weeks. I've been running around here, different places. Hope to see you next week back there in Framingham. But today, I'm here to deliver the word and to see what God may have to say to us. And hopefully you've come prepared to hear what God has to say. It's been a big week. I don't know about you, but uh, it's been a big week for us in the Steer household. Uh, we survived the Snowmageddon on Tuesday. Yeah? Yeah. What, what was the deal with that? You know, I, 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 was, I was waiting to be snowed in and enjoy a two foot of snow or something. And yeah. Oh, well. Your, your Massachusetts forecasters are no better than the Ohio forecasters. I found that out. That's for sure. And then, of course, Wednesday was Valentine's Day. Happy belated Valentine's Day to everybody. Um, this year, uh, Sheila, my bride of 44 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We decided to, we would exchange viruses. So, um, so I gave her, I think it was viral conjunctivitis. Uh, I'm not sure what she gave me back, but we've been, we've been battling that. And uh, not, that I'm a, not that I'm a bad gift giver. But she ranks that as one of the top five of all time, you know, so, so that's, that's the way it goes sometimes. But, you know, Valentine's Day came and it's gone, but it just kind of lays the, lays the background for our topic today. We're talking about marriages, growing through it in marriages, but uh, we'll get to that in a bit. We're, we're in our series, Growing Together. And hopefully you've been here and been part. We're in the middle of it now. And uh, it started off really with Pastor Derek talking to us in the series uh, text from 2 Peter 3.18. It says this, and hopefully it'll come up on the screen here. It says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. God does not want us to be stable, plateau. We are to continue to grow in our faith. We are to become more like him. We are to become conformed to his character. We are to grow in our relationships. And we do this. And so Pastor Derek's first sermon was, it's time to grow up, right? And so we said, yeah, it's time to grow up. And we did that. And then the second text, uh, key message is, the text is out of Galatians 4.1. It says this, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. In the financial service and estate planning industry, we call this when a, when a father dies young with young children and leaves something that they can't enjoy till later. That's what's called a future interest. You don't have a present interest in it. You might own it, but you don't have a present interest in it. You can't enjoy it. And that's what, that's what the writer, has a Paul saying here. We can't enjoy it all because we haven't grown up. And so we need to continue to grow up. We need to look at that future interest and, and go towards it and, and try to achieve that. And so we, we have a, I was saying there's some levels we don't go to, we grow to. And so we don't go to levels, we grow to levels. And that's what we've been talking about. And so today, we were, we've grown up and we've grown together, was that message. And, and we grow together in groups. And, and as you heard, groups are still open. You can register for groups. That would be great. But we, we grow and we grow together. 
But now we got to grow through it. What do we grow through? We grow through life, don't we? Life can be tough. Life can be challenging. Different stages of life can be challenging. That's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. And today, I'm talking about growing through marriage. And we're calling it after the honeymoon. Because that's when it becomes real. (laughs) That's when it becomes real. But I want to tell you something. If you're here saying, well, uh uh-oh, I'm not married. This doesn't apply to me. I'm going to snooze. Please don't do that. Your snoring will will disturb your neighbor. Yeah, yeah. But no, really, um, there's something for everybody because... What we're talking about is relationships. And these principles will apply whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're single again. So today, I just pray that you would, you would absorb what the Lord has for us. And the big idea is this. The big idea is you can grow closer together or you can drift apart. It's up to you. All right? Are you ready? Can everybody say it here in Framingham and TC? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Let's pray first, all right? Lord, come to us this morning and speak to us. Lord, lead us in your way. Father, reveal your word to us anew, fresh, and ways, Lord, that we can apply to our lives. Lord, and now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, brother. If I were to ask you, what's the, what is the love chapter in the Bible? What would you tell me? 1 Corinthians 13, right? Yeah, there's some good ones. There's some other good. I, I was thinking of uh, uh, the Song of Solomon. Yeah, uh, that's a love book, but we won't get into that today. Uh, <laughs> 1 Corinthians, I, I'm amazed at 1 Corinthians 13 because I'm amazed at Paul. Because I think of Paul when I think of him, I think of him as this, this theologian, this guy that's big in doctrine, and he's... And he's strict, and he's got, you know, he tell you, hey, you do this, you do this, and this is the way it should be done. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he hits us with this incredible chapter in the Bible. And on, this morning, as we, as we go through, I'm just going to pick out four verses of there, and we're going to come back to it now and then. But it's 1 Corinthians 13. If you have your Bibles or your, or your phones or wherever you have your word, and it'll be on screens too and all the campuses. And it says this, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no records of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Amen. You know, most weddings that I've done, and I haven't been a pastor that many years, but over the years I've done quite a few weddings. Most weddings include this somewhere in one way or another. You know, some of these words and maybe the whole chapter, maybe this portion or, or in vows or somewhere that's included. Because I think Paul's really set here the gold standard for defining love. This really is true agape love is expressed and expressed to us and through us in, in lives. And, and so it's great when marriages start off and this is a standard, this is a goal, and, and then reality hits. After the honeymoon. For some of us, it only took a few weeks after the honeymoon. <laughs> 
And what we realized and what Sheila quickly realized about me, and because we were young, she was 19, I was 21, and, um, and you know, men, mat- guys mature slower. So it's like she was 19 and I was 14. It was really kind of like, like it really was. And, and, and she found out that Steve was not patient and kind all the time. Steve uh, was not was jealous at times and boastful and proud and rude. Could be demanding and at times irritable. Because what once was a relationship that was a few hours a day, maybe a few days a week, was now 24-7. She was living with me. And I was living with her, too. And that's the way it goes in our marriages. And so what happens is we have these, these unmet expectations. I was expecting you to be this way, and you weren't. And then when you add immaturity into that, what you find out is relationships and marriages go through rocky times. And so sometimes we, we start to feeling those times of, yeah, amen, all right. <laughs> I think I heard that one all the way from Framingham. Yeah. But, but, you know, sometimes, you know, we start to say those things like, you know, I, I'm not feeling it anymore. I, I'm, we're, I'm not, we're not feeling in love like we used to. Or maybe, maybe we're growing apart. And we start to feel like, but, but let me tell you, that's not the way God designed it. Then that's not the way God designed it should be. In fact, if you go back to the creation principle in Genesis chapter 2, we see that God did not set up marriage to be that way. In fact, he says, when, uh, when, when he, if you go back to that chapter 2, remember that God saw Adam, and he says, not good you be alone. And so he opened him up, he took out a rib, sewed him back up, and then he says this in um, chapter 23, verse, verse 23 of chapter 2, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Shall she, be, she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Say one flesh. One flesh. flesh. They become one flesh. He said he can't be torn apart. He can't tear apart a flesh. And in case you think this is just an Old Testament teaching, Jesus was challenged by the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 19. They came to him and said, they were trying to trick him. And he said, hey, is it okay for a guy to divorce his wife for any reason? And Jesus, knowing what they were thinking, says this in in verse 4 of chapter 19 of Matthew. He says, haven't you read, he replied, that in the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Does this sound familiar? Absolutely. So they two are no longer, they're no longer two but one. But then Jesus took it a little bit further and he added this. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Amen? You know, the two become one. I thought this could use an illustration today. So I brought, some, I brought my toolbox with me. Now, I'm an accountant and a pastor, and I'm barely familiar with this thing. In fact, when my wife, when we were married for the first, I don't know how many years of our marriage, my wife said, the only thing in your toolbox is your dad's phone number. <laughs> and that was true. But now there's 600 miles between us, so we, I, can't, I can't call on him now. So I brought along these two boards. Now, uh, Framingham, David Ramon wanted you to know he gave me these boards. <laughs> so please give him the credit for this. Uh, the, the boards came from him. 
Um, but these are two boards, and these represent the two individuals, the man and the woman, the husband and the wife, okay? Now, before marriage, we're out here enjoying our lives, not even aware of each other, and we're just going along, and, and all of a sudden, something brings us together, and we have some fellowship, and, and maybe we get a little closer, and, and a, little, but, and a little closer even, and then sometimes, you know what happens? We kind of clash, yeah, yeah, blah, you know, and so we're back apart again. Ever, anybody ever break up in their dating? Yeah, you know what I mean. And, but, but it comes together, and you're, but eventually, eventually, we come together. And we decide we're going to tie the knot. And we take those steps of marriage. And we take those steps of marriage, the Bible says, and we just read it, that we are to, the two are to become one, right? And so it's, it's like God got his, his great glue gun out and said, I'm going, to, I'm going to glue these two together. So he gets a boom, boom. That's, it's real glue. It's real glue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. These are, and so they're perfect. And so now the two become one, right? They're one. And so now when we go through the problems of life, the struggles of life, the challenges of life, the diseases of life, the unemployments of life, all those things come on. We go together. We no longer go as two. We go as one. The two will not be separated. No matter what happens, the two will not. Whoops. I should have practiced that a little more. No, maybe, maybe I need more glue. Maybe it's more glue. Glue, 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 glue. Okay, there we go. Glue. Come on, glue. Okay. Something happens, and we have a little fight, and we, you know, kind of go apart, and we come back together, and we make up. These two have made up. <laughs> they've made up. And so they've come here, they've made up, and they're doing, and life is going great, and, and then a challenge hits, and... So what happens? This is not the way God designed it to be. Was, was Jesus just being aspirational? I'd give it a shot? No, he was giving us his word and what, and what we should be. But in the end, we are 24-7 humans. We're people, right? We are people. We're people carrying sin in our lives. We're people carrying our past and everything. And so, and so what we try to do, and if we're smart, we, we want to we fix it, Right? We want to fix our marriages. And so we come together and we get everything just right and say, yeah, okay, let's see. I'm going to fix it. We're going to fix it. And okay. <laughs> Power tools. <laughs> yeah, I want to fix it. So what we do fix it. We start looking for the, the tips. You know, Pastor Derek last week talked about some life hacks, right? And we talked about these typical, some of the typical um, growth tips or ways we can grow together. We want to grow together. We want to fix our marriage. And so we say, how can I grow together? And we, we have some do's and don'ts. If we, You can put the do's and don'ts up on the screen there. And we start following these, these do's and don'ts. And, you know, so we start working on our marriage. Let's work on our marriage. Oh, yeah, that worked well. The first do is, you know, spend some quality time together. We're working on our marriage. So we're going to spend quality. We're going to go on vacations together. We're going to spend time. We're going to take walks in the woods. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna spend time together and, and vacations and all those type of things. And we're going to work on our marriage. Oh, yeah, that's working good. Okay, our marriage is getting stronger. And maybe we're going to start speaking kindly to each other, okay? That's a good thing, isn't it? It's a good thing. I've seen, I've known, I've been in the presence of spouses who talk worse, better to their dogs than they talk to their spouses. That shouldn't be. 
We should talk lovingly and kindly. And we should support and encourage our spouses. And that's a good thing. And so we do that. And then we start setting, oh, that's working. And we, so let's set some goals together. Let's, let's, let's talk about what we want to accomplish. And we, so we work on our marriage. We say, hey, our marriage is getting stronger. And then we do the same thing with the don'ts. Let's, let's stop doing something. Let's stop constantly bringing up the past. You know, we don't want to bring up the past. I mean, let's, let's work on that. Okay, I'm not going to bring up the past anymore. I, I know you, I've told you before, I, you always act that way. You've done that in the past, but it's not going to be anymore. <laughs> don't neglect your own needs. Take care of yourself. Maybe, maybe take up a hobby. Get some friends. Go golfing, you know. Do something fun, you know. Like, yeah, you know, take care. You know, don't do it. And, of course, don't, man, man, we should give up the need to be right all the time. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I've never had that problem. Because when you're always right, you don't need to be. Yeah. Yeah, when you're always right, you don't have to have that need to be right. So we do this and we come and we say, okay, this marriage is stronger. We're getting there. You know, I love the way it's looking. But the problem is we're just kind of addressing some of the symptoms. We're addressing the symptoms and not the deep down problem. Because I fixed the problem. I fixed some things. We're doing things we should be doing. We're making our marriage stronger. There's nothing unbiblical about anything I've said. Those are good things to do and, and be together. But we haven't addressed the problem that I am still jealous and boastful and proud and rude, demanding, irritable. And I'm not patient. I'm not kind. If, if, I'm, if I still haven't addressed the inside, the heart issue... This issue is not going to be last. It's not going to last. In fact, you know what I found out about this thing? It has a reverse. <laughs> oh, man. I had, that, I had that for three years before I knew that. You actually have a reverse on that thing. And so we reverse it out. We say, okay, no, no, no. Okay, I, I know I tried. I tried all the tricks of the trade, but they haven't worked. It's, we have a foundation issue. It's like if you go into your house and you see a crack in the wall in the ceiling and you notice your door all of a sudden is a little askew or your windows jam. If you notice the floor is a little crooked or the, or the wall is bowing, you don't say, I need a handyman. I don't need someone to come in with some, some patching stuff and put it on the crack to cover it up. I need to address the foundation. I need to address the real issue. I need someone that can come in and can handle my real issue. And let me tell you this morning, that can only be in a relationship, in a marriage, any kind of relationship, that foundation can only be your, your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. It can only be growing together in a mutual commitment. If we're going to grow together in a marriage, if we're going to grow together in any relationship, a pre-marriage relationship, maybe you're dating, or maybe just a relationship and friends, if you really want to grow together, you have to have a mutual foundation, a mutual commitment to Jesus Christ. And so that's what happens today. We come here, the Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added unto you. That doesn't say we add the kingdom of God to everything else. And sometimes we get that mixed up. We go out and we try to get this and get this and get this and then sprinkle in a little bit of the kingdom of God. You know, say, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to search and look for everything that I can do. But no, we, we come and we say, God, I want to seek you first. In fact, there's a, 
There's a diagram that's uh, it's, it's old. It's been around for years, but I don't know if you've seen it before. If we could put that up on our screen here. It's, our, it's, a, it's called a love triangle. And you see here at the bottom, you see the husband and wife, and, and they've got this distance between them. But, and Christ is at the top. But if you notice, the more that we move closer to Christ, the closer we get to each other. The closer to Christ. So as we move to Christ... As we, as we say, okay, we're going to center this relationship, not on anything else, not on our children. I'm not going to uh, center it on my wife. I'm not going to center it on anything else. I'm going to center it first on Jesus Christ. When he becomes the center, then we can start working on our marriage. We can start working on our relationship. But until that happens, you're never dealing with the true issue. And so this morning we come together and we say, you know, how do we do that in our relationship? How can we do that in our marriage? And when Jesus becomes the center, he also, Jesus becomes our standard. The standard that we measure how we are doing in our marriage. We measure what we're doing in our marriage by what Christ has done for us and how we do that and relate that to each other. In fact, when, when we are growing together, Jesus becomes the standard that we measure by. You know, you, you, we have to measure by somehow. We measure, measure it by Jesus. First of all, in, in four ways this morning that I want to share with you real quick. The first way is he is the measure in, of the standard in the way we love. Okay? How do we know, how do we know if we are loving our spouse, that other one, that other person, in the way we should? We measure it, to, are we growing according to Christ's standard? What was Christ's standard? In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, he says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and what gave himself for her. Jesus Christ loved the church so much, loved us so much, is that he gave himself for her. And if we can do that, and if we can remember that God demonstrated his love for us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He took the nails. He took the pain. He took the punishment. His love was that deep that he took it for us. And when they hammered those nails in his arms and his hands, he took it for us. And the amazing part here is Paul was saying, that is the same love, the same love, men, you need to have for your wives that would take the pain. And when that happens, when you love in that way, your marriage, your relationships, Rock solid, rock solid, rock solid. How did Christ love me? He loved me. He's my advocate. He has my back. He delivered me from my sin. He loved me when I was unlovable. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know what? 1 Corinthians 13 don't try to substitute Jesus, Steve in there. Substitute Jesus in there. Jesus is patient and kind, not jealous, not boastful, not proud, not rude, not demanding, not irritable. He loves us in that way. And he expects that of his followers. In John 15, Jesus is just about to go to the cross. 
And he's meeting together with his disciples, and he's talking to them. And he says, he says this, if I can find it in my notes here. Yeah, John 15, 12. He says, love each other as I have loved you. I am the example. I'm the standard. When You know when you're growing in your love for each other when you are loving the way I loved you. That's the, that's the standard that Christ sets for us that we need to grow to. It's a, it's a high standard. He did it voluntarily. He wasn't coerced into it. Philippians chapter 2 says he came, he gave, he sacrificed, he willingly left heaven and came for you and for me. Hmm. Look for ways to love like Christ did. How has Christ loved me? Let me tell you something. Marriage is not a 50-50 proposition. Marriage is 100-100. you got to be all in. And when Christ gave his life and when he went to the cross, he was all in. He was all in. And we, are all, we need to be all in for each other. That's the way it needs to be. Sometimes I think about this and I compare it to my life and say, what kind of sacrifices have I made? What kind of sacrifices have we made for each other? But when we measure our growth in our life, we not only measure it by looking at how we love, but it's also how we give. Ephesians 5, 21 through 22 says this, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. Uh, we read earlier in 1 Corinthians 13 that love does not demand its own way. The NIV says it this way, love is not self-seeking. We, we, are, we, we are to grow in our giving to our spouses. We are to grow in the way we give of ourselves, our time, our treasure, our love, our affection. We are to keep growing, not out of obligation, but because we love them and because Christ has called us to love, and we are to, out of reverence for Christ, submit. Married folks, like I said, I've done, I've done a few weddings. I've attended a bunch too. You probably have too. If you haven't been in a wedding, you've attended them, right? And most of them, do, I think they, we still do vows in most of them. Yeah. Have you ever heard anybody get up and, and, and they say, okay, say your vow, and they say, well, I'd like to get this, and I'd like to get this, and I'd like to get this, and could you give me this, and give me that, and give me this? And if you did, don't raise your hand. <laughs> no, 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 no. We say, we give. I promise to, right? I promise to love you, cherish you. I promise till death do us part. I promise in sickness and health and richer and poorer. I'm going to give to you. I'm going to pour into you. It's not what we're going to get because they cannot give us what we need. Our spouse cannot give us what we need. If I'm looking for Sheila to be my soulmate, we're, in pro we're a problem because she cannot fulfill the longing of my soul. Only Jesus can do that. I cannot fulfill the longing of her soul. Only Jesus can do that. If I'm looking for her to fill all my needs, we got a big problem. And if she's looking for me to fill all my needs, we've got to be in a bigger problem. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, we're getting bitterly disappointed. I remember being bitterly disappointed in my marriage. When we dated, I was uh, driving back and forth, and I, I was seven, probably 17 at the time, and I was driving. And They lived on a farm, and they had this farmhouse, and right next to the farmhouse, I would drive by, and there would be this oil well just pumping, pumping, pumping. It was on their property. I get these dollar signs in my eyes, you know. 
I says, I am dating the richest girl around. So I wasn't stupid. I watched the Beverly Hillbillies, you know. I, I knew what that bubbling crude meant. Swimming pools, movie stars, you know. After we got married, I started in, in the county field and doing taxes, and her parents let me do their tax return. And they gave me the stuff to do their tax return. I look, I go, what? This is it? <laughs> I'm not going to get rich. I'm not going to get to Beverly Hills. I'm not even going to get to Columbus. You know? <laughs> Bitterly disappointed. If I was looking for Sheila to supply my needs financially, that wasn't going to happen. We know how that is. But we need to give. We need to give. How can we, out, can we outgrow each other in giving? And you know this, I noticed too, that really this isn't as, this passage isn't as gender specific as we usually say. Because the first verse says, 21 says, submit one another to one another as unto the Lord. Out of reverence for Christ. And then it says, and wives, submit to your husbands. Yes, yes. But we are to submit to one another. We are to outgive each other. Okay, so, so Christ is an example in measuring how we, how, we, how, we, how we love and how we give. And the third one, I want you to listen here. It's, it's, it's in how we accept. How we accept. Romans 15, 7 says this. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. In order to bring praise to God. How did Christ accept you? He accepted me just as I am. He accepted me with all my warts, all my sin. He didn't say, come to me and have a stiff arm to keep me away until I got cleaned up. He didn't say, no, you come to me, but you got to change it. He says, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Do we have that in our relationships? Because even if we've been good, you know what Isaiah says about our best righteousness? He says it's like filthy rags. Even my good is bad. It's, 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 it's self-serving. You know, my best righteousness before the Lord is like filthy rags because I cannot measure up. I cannot measure up to anything there. Because we need to accept like Christ accepted us. And we accept each other that way. Which when we accept that way, it opens up room for authenticity and vulnerability, where we don't hold things between each other. I don't come to my wife with masks and, 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 and a facade, but she knows everything about me. And everything about me may not make her happy, but she accepts me. Everything about me may, so there's maybe some, something in there that even makes her a little angry or upset. But she accepts me, and we work on it. Love creates room for authenticity. Where there's authenticity, there's vulnerability. And in marriages where we are growing together, we invite each other into our space. There is space. We drop the mask. We tear down the walls. We create a safe space, a safe space where we can express our fears, our hopes, our pain, our doubts, our failures, our dark places, without judgment and ridicule. If you want to grow together in your marriage, if you want to grow to an intimate spot, be able to come to each other in total openness and vulnerability and share with each other. We'll break down barriers to intimacy 
when we grow together as a couple, when we accept each other. Most, it's been told that most people, and even in marriage relationships, it, it's not because of shame or embarrassment that they don't share some things, maybe some things about their past. It's for fear of rejection. We're fear of being rejected. If we can get rid of that fear and say, you won't be rejected, I will accept you as Christ accepted me. We will work together through this. Then we can work together through this, and this marriage can be rock solid. When we accept as Christ accepted us. Is there room in your life for all your spouse? Spouse, is there room in their life for all of me? It's been said, scientifically proven, that if you have to hide your authenticity, mental stress will show up in anxiety, depression, chronic anger, fatigue, stomach disturbances, and chronic illnesses. So you are actually delivering people from disease and health issues when you love them well. When you love them well. You are delivering them. Finally, as we close... Jesus is our measuring standard for growth, not only in how we love, how we give, how we accept, but in how we forgive. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, how? Just as Christ forgave you, the standard. Marriages need to be places of a radical, radical forgiveness. We all need it. 24-7, we will offend. We will say something. We will do something. And radical forgiveness is needed in a marriage that is going to be strong and last and be faithful. You know, when, when Jesus told Peter to forgive 70 times 7, it wasn't I don't think it was for the guy who was doing the bad, the things wrong, the, the offender. It wasn't for him. It was for Peter's sake that he needed to forgive. He says, Peter, you can't have the, the bitterness that comes by holding, holding unforgiveness in your life. You can't have that. And you can't have that and have a relationship that's vulnerable and loving and giving. There must be forgiveness. Amen. There's a book I've been reading recently, Beyond Ordinary, When a mar Good Marriage Isn't Just Good Enough. And it has this quote, if we could put that on the screen, this quote. It says, whenever you forgive, the person who hurt you doesn't win. Christ wins. He wins another part of your heart. When you forgive, you allow Christ to not only have more of your heart, but more of your marriage. Where forgiveness lives, intimacy can be restored. See, when you go there, you grow there. And that's the story that we have this morning. We can grow in our love and our giving and our accepting and our forgiveness. And then our base, our foundation is strong. And now we can start adding those other things to it. Something else that can make this marriage even stronger. What, what, what's, what fixes everything? duct tape. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I am going to add to all of this. And I'm going to start, I'm going to be kind to my wife. I'm going to talk nicely. 
We're going to go on vacations together. We're going we're gonna to do even maybe some, some counseling together. Well, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to share our deepest concerns, and, and we're going to do all kinds of good things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak kindly to her. I'm going to love her. And we're just going to go on and on. We're gonna, and there's going to be a time where this marriage, in Jesus' name, no man can separate. No man can separate. Amen? Amen? Marriage isn't going anywhere, anywhere. So today, today, I want to close a little differently. I want to close a little differently. We're going to pray in a second. And as we pray, I want you to be thinking. And we're going to, we're going to invite you to come forward. First of all, when, when we, as I pray, I'm going to ask the, our, prayer, our prayer team to come forward. And as, um, as we come... Would you consider as a couple coming? First of all, coming and maybe praying together with all of us up front. Uh, there was a statistic in our um, marriage conference last week that said, guess, get this, 50% uh, of marriages into divorce, 78% of second marriages into divorce, 26% even of couples who go to church and in divorce. But 1% of marriages that pray together end in divorce. 1%. So we're going to invite you. We're going to invite married couples to come. And we're going to say, come pray together. We're going to have a prayer team up here. If you want to pray, if there's something this morning that said, and we're going to do this at all campuses, all campuses, that you can come and you can pray. We want you to do that. I also want to invite you, if you're single, you can come. Maybe there's somebody that you've been, you, maybe, maybe you're just praying. I prayed last night with a couple people praying for that right person, the person they haven't met yet even that that would be the, what you'd like to pray about. Or maybe another relationship. Maybe your spouse is not here this morning or serving downstairs or whatever. You want to come alone, you can do that. But um, we're going to pray. I'm going to invite my wife, Sheila. We're, we, we want to pray together too as we come up here this morning. And would you stand with me? Stand in all campuses. I'm going to invite the pastors in all campuses to come forward, the prayer teams to come forward. Our prayer team, would you come forward here this morning? And after I pray, we're just going to have a time of inviting you to come. In fact, you can come during the prayers. And we'll just, at this point in time, we're just going to invite God to come speak to us in our marriages. We want to pray with you. We want you to come pray together. Just as a symbol, say, I'm making a stand today that I am going to grow in our marriage. We are going to grow in our marriage. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your love for us. Lord, we thank you for our spouses. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for our, those maybe significant others in our lives. Lord, just maybe even family members that we want to have a relationship with. I pray, Lord, you would strengthen us. Lord, you would bring us together. You would help us to know how to, to love and how to give and how to accept and how to forgive in greater ways so we grow more and more and more like you. We achieve, Lord, what you'd have for us. Lord, I just pray that that would happen. Lord, I pray now. That as we, as, we, as we close this service, Lord, you would just bless all that have committed to you today to, to grow in their marriages. Lord, it would be a day and a time where this is specifically set aside to you that would become more like you and grow into you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to come forward here in Ashland. We're going to dismiss you, your other campuses, that you would come and go forward. Thank you so much. But if you're a married couple and you want to come and pray with us this morning, we're going to come down to the front here, and we'd like you to come and pray with us.